Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. It's another day with the usual morning routine. But are your hair care products releasing harmful chemicals that could damage your health? InfoTrack reporter Roy Mackey has the story. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Nusrat Jung, an assistant professor in the Lyle School of Civil Engineering at Purdue University. She was the lead author of this study. Professor, your study was looking at some common chemicals in hair products that millions of Americans use every morning. What sorts of products are we talking about? We conducted a very detailed study trying to understand what we are exposed to when we conduct our everyday hair care routines. So if you go out to the market or a store and you buy a hair care product that you apply, let's say every day or once a week, we were investigating what is this product releasing while we conduct this hair care routine. Of course, if you turn these off-the-shelf items that we purchase, you will see that there is a long list of ingredients. This list of ingredients is very interesting because it is essentially a chemical formulation of various kinds of things that are supposed to be good for hair styling. So what we found was quite a concern. I would say that I was very surprised to see very high levels of volatile chemicals that were released from these products right when we conduct this everyday activity. So are we talking about hairsprays, shampoos, what specifically? So there are different types of hair care products. Some of them can be categorized as wash-off products, a shampoo or any other product such as conditioner that you would apply and you would wash it off while, for example, taking a shower. Other kinds of category would be a leave-on product that you would utilize while conducting a hair care activity or your routine which you would leave on your hair, such as hair sprays, pomades, creams, different type of gels, oils. Really, there is a tremendous types of products available in the market today for different type of hair. Give us a quick explanation of how you conducted these tests. Yes, so we have here a fantastic state-of-the-art research laboratory. It's a residential building that has a very controlled ventilation system and a very clean indoor air environment. This building is outfitted by many kinds of sensors. The most important sensor that we used in this study is called a mass spectrometer. This mass spectrometer has the ability to give us chemical composition of the indoor air that may be in that room at that time, which means it is able to tell me the chemical formula. So it is similar to like a very sensitive nose that can sniff out these chemical compounds in the air. Other than that, we can also have control over temperature, relative humidity, things like air exchange rate and so on. So within this laboratory, we invited general public and people 
people and we ask them to come into our lab and conduct and repeat their everyday hair care routine. So they would come in with their own products, their own appliances. You know, many people use flat iron or a curling iron and there are different types of blow dryers, things like that. So we literally gave them full freedom to bring in everything that you use every day when you wake up, you want to go to work, you get ready, please come and replicate this for us in our highly controlled laboratory environment. And we were very lucky that people were very intrigued by this research idea. They came with all kinds of products and this is why our results are really insightful because they give us knowledge of what people are exposed to during their everyday life activity. Did you find that the use of these high heat devices that you mentioned, like hair dryers and flat irons and so forth, do they affect the release of these chemicals? Yes. So I would like you to think of it this way. So think about, you know, when you are ironing your clothes every day, if you were to apply some liquid, which is a chemical mixture on that fabric and put a flat iron on it. I mean, we all are familiar with this, you know, sound and how it looks when it's like sizzles. So imagine that you're really applying a chemical mixture to your hair and you're trying to, of course, you know, it's an innocent activity when you get ready, you know, everybody wants to look good. But when you are doing this at the same time, you are exposing that chemical mixture to high heat. Some of these chemical compounds that are very, very volatile may very quickly be released into the air right near our breathing zone, which means this is the air that we are breathing while we are conducting this activity, which makes this a very unique problem because while we are conducting this activity and exacerbating the chemical emissions of these products, we are at the same time might be um, inhaling them. So I think that is the big surprise here. Would using a bathroom exhaust fan help? Yes. So we did come up with multiple solutions. And the solution here is that we conducted these experiments, you know, with high air exchange rate. High air exchange rate or air change rate means that we are able to bring in perhaps fresh outdoor air, which is filtered air into our laboratory and push out the contaminated air. So if you really want to continue to use these products, my advice would be to turn on your exhaust fan. If you were to do so, you are effectively able to reduce your exposure almost more than 90% of these chemical compounds. So this is a very effective strategy. At the same time, I do want to share that if this were to be happening in a big city like New York, your exhaust air of your apartment or your house might very well be somebody else's intake air. So some things can be filtered out using our filtration mechanisms that we have in buildings, but not everything. So there is a possibility that these chemical compounds that may not be very good for us to inhale are circulating in our buildings longer than they should. So in an ideal case scenario, it would be wonderful to not have to, you know, expose yourself to any of these compounds at all. But should you do that, please turn on your exhaust fan 
and perhaps use very good filtration media in your residential apartments and your buildings. What kinds of health problems can result from exposure to these chemicals? Unfortunately, I cannot comment on the health problems resulting from this kind of exposure. We are the first one to actually have found that we are being exposed, first of all, to this. So it is my hope that this is seen as an opportunity by the toxicologist, epidemiologist, and health scientist to take a deeper look into what kind of health issues may be resulting from exposure to these chemical contaminants. We are aware, though, that D5-siloxane, which is one of the kind of this compound, they have been found to lead to adverse effects on the respiratory tract, liver and nervous system of laboratory animals. And in European Union, these chemicals have been under great discussion and they have already been restricted in many of the wash-off products that we discussed earlier today. So there is, you know, increasing amount of information available to us about these chemical compounds, but we are yet to discover more details. But it is my hope that this study will invite many more scientists to take a deeper look into what the exposure might result into to these chemicals. Are products available that do not contain these chemicals, or do you just simply recommend to stop using them? There are so many kinds of products that are available off the shelf. You know, at the end of the day, I do understand, you know, like I said, it's an innocent activity. We all want to wake up. We want to look good. We want to go to work. So I think that we should simply... If we are worried about our exposure, you want to possibly reduce your exposure. And a good way to reduce your exposure is to reduce the frequency of exposure. That means maybe reduce the frequency of the products. At the end of the day, these are chemical mixtures. Everything that you buy off the shelf, you know, it's a sort of formulation. So I think it's quite difficult for me to answer the question is which product is good because we honestly did not study all of the products that are available in the market. We are only able to document the information of what people bought to our lab, which they use every day. So first of all, it is really difficult to say. Second, at the end of the day, if you wish to reduce your exposure, one should reduce the frequency of utilizing such products that may cause the exposure. And is there anything on a label that someone can look for, a chemical name, for example? Yes, so there are many kinds of uh, chemicals. They have very long chemical names. For example, D5 is called as decamethylcyclopentasiloxane. Um, and then similarly, there is D4, there is D3, L2, L3, L4, and so on, which are linear siloxanes. But all of these very long names end with one word called as siloxane. And it is an organosilicon compound, and it is often listed first or second in the ingredient list of many hair care products. Most of the time, the hair care products list their components of what that mixture is made of based on the amount or the abundance of that chemical in that product. So all of these chemicals are not always listed 100% because... These companies don't really make everything 
visible in terms of what is in the formulation. I believe that's their trade secret. So they're not really supposed to give us everything. So it is not always possible to see them on the list. But if you do see them, it is possible to avoid it. I would think your findings would be even more alarming to people who work, for example, in hair salons where they're exposed to these chemicals all day, every day. Yes, it is quite uh, sad that is the case. But what we can take away from this study really is ventilation. So ventilation is an excellent way to have fresh air brought into any building that has a controlled mechanical system. So for all the salons and people who work in the salons and are worried about their exposure, I really recommend looking into investing into a, a air cleaning system, air purification system, or even investigating what ventilation systems their current building is providing. And if there is a ventilation system that exists, perhaps look into how can we increase the air change rate. That means if I am conducting this activity and air is you know, circulating faster, I can bring in fresh air into my environment and perhaps push out the contaminated air, which you know does not solve 100% of our problems, but it does solve our immediate exposure problem. So I would like to, uh, you know, propose this uh, ventilation as as a solution to to reducing your exposure, especially in case of people who work in salons every day. Another concern your study identified was the migration of these chemicals from inside a home to the outdoors. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, if you were to consider that average use frequency of hair care products would be two to five times per week. And based on the surveys that are available to us in terms of, you know, number of people who use these products, you know, on a regular basis. And let's say we assume 10% of the leave-on hair care products are siloxane based. That's what my study is focused on. We estimated that indoor to outdoor emission of this compound called D5 could reach about 0.4 to 6 metric tons per year in the US because we have to remember that when these chemicals are being pushed out of our building environments, they are going to the outdoor environments. And these chemicals then have the ability to also collectively be piped back into the building through our ventilation systems once more. So if you conduct an activity, you just have to think about what the pathway is going to be. We can't really get rid of it 100%. So when we are pushing it outdoors, we are literally just diluting it. Inside buildings, it's exacerbated because you're in a small volume and it's closed. So uh, we have to think of really perhaps not causing these emissions because they participate in overall pollution. And as we know, we have as a society done an excellent job, for example, uh, reducing pollution by the transportation industry. We have such stringent regulations on cars, exhaust, uh, vehicle exhaust and things like that. So perhaps it's a good idea to think about how to limit our emissions that are caused from buildings to the outdoor environment. And perhaps this study, and there are many other studies that are characterizing these emissions all the time. So overall amount of emissions 
caused from buildings to the outdoor environments may very well become more significant as we reduce the emissions caused by, for example, transportation industry or other such sources. Just briefly, do you have any final words of advice based upon what you've learned in this study? Yes, please turn on your ventilation exhaust systems whenever you conduct your everyday hair care routine. Our model shows that if you were to turn on your bathroom exhaust fan, you can reduce your exposure by over 90%. A second good idea would be to perhaps reduce the frequency of using such products if you are concerned about your exposure And I think third of that, I hope that my fellow scientists and the scientific community, we have so many brilliant minds, would look into this and research this furthermore so that we can learn more about what kind of health issues might result from exposure such as this, that we can get more understanding, better understanding and create, you know, better, healthier future for our society. Nusrat Jung from Purdue University, thank you very much for sharing your research. Thank you so much for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.